We wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these men or tell you how important they are, but they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as a standard of measurement. How ignorant. We will not boast about the things done outside of our area of authority. We will boast only what has happened within the boundaries of the work that God has given us, which includes our working with you. We are not reaching beyond these boundaries when we claim authority over you as if we've never visited you, for we were the first to travel all the way to Corinth with the good news of Christ. Nor do we boast and claim credit for the work someone else has done. Instead, we hope that your faith will grow so that the boundaries of the work among you will be extended. Then we will be able to go and preach the good news in other places far beyond you where no one else is working. Then there will be no question of our boasting about the work done in someone else's territory. Paul is responding to people who are in Corinth. There's a church in the city of Corinth, and there are people trying to convince the, pe of the people in the church that Paul's authority shouldn't be recognized. They, they're, trying to, they're trying to bring heresy. They're trying to, they're trying to bring distruth and, and discord into the church, trying to convince the other people in the church, you shouldn't listen to Paul. Paul's not even the same guy here. He's not even the same guy in his letters as he is, as he is when he's in person. This isn't even Paul. They're totally trying to discredit Paul. And so Paul's responding to what's going on. They didn't, think, they didn't feel that because Paul wasn't there on premises that he had the right to speak into their life. But in fact, Paul did. Because Paul had planted the church there and, and the leaders that were there. And so, yes, he did have the authority to speak into their life. And the reality is, is that, you know what? God has planted you where you are. And that you have the authority to speak to the people who are in your network. You have the authority to speak to the people in your network about Jesus, about your life. You have the authority to witness to them. And so we all have to realize that we have a network. We have people that God has placed in our path for us to specifically talk to. And I'm not saying you need to do a 30-second evangelistic moment and have people bow, on their, bow their heads and do the sinner's prayer. That'd be awesome. But that's not, it's not always what's required. What sometimes what, what is required is just, it's just a handshake. It's a, it's, a form, it's a warm and friendly smile. It's just something that's not about you. It's not serving you. That expresses the love of Christ. So what? This isn't supposed to be pressure. God is trying to make it as easy as possible for you to reach out and share the love of Jesus in the most natural possible way, the most intrinsic possible way he possibly can because he uses your gifts, he uses your experiences, he uses your family and all the people around you in order to set that up so it can be the best possible scenario for you. We all have a network. And then, but there are also, there are boundaries. There, there are places that we can't go. We can't do everything. We talked about it last week. You can't do everything. Sooner or later, you've got to say no to stuff. Sooner or later, you've got to be able to say, no, I, I, just, I just can't. I can't do everything. Sometimes we want to do everything. Not because we think we want to, but because we think we should. Most of the time, we do things that we shouldn't do because of guilt, not because the Spirit of God is leading us. We do it because we think, I need to be a better Christian, so I need to do this. And so we stretch ourselves too thin because we think that's what we should do. 
Because if we don't do that, we're going to feel guilty for not doing the thing that we think we should do. Right? Am I hitting a bit too close to home? Are you feeling it? Is it in there? It's okay. You can do some stretches. So let's not be let's not be driven by guilt. Let's not be driven by fear. Let's stop being driven by the well, this is what a good Christian does. Let's start being driven by compassion. Let's start being driven by the Spirit. Let's start being driven by the love of Jesus Christ that's inside of us, that's inspiring us to do the right thing. Instead of feeling this guilt inside of us saying, well, I have to do more. I need to do more because I'm horrible. I need more. We need to do more because the more I do, the better I feel. What? That's a lie, church. It's not about the more that you do. It's about the relationship you have with Christ. When he says go, you say yes. That's where our confidence comes from. That's where our success comes from. But we have to keep our eyes on what God has called us to. You know what's frustrating to me is uh, when you get into when you get into a traffic jam, when you're on the highways and the 400 cars. Some of you hate traffic so much that you won't even go on the 400. Right? There's some of you. You don't have to put your hand up. I just know who you are. <laughs> you won't even go because you don't want to deal with traffic because because you've been in traffic and it drives you crazy. You don't want to be there. You don't want to stand on the 400. You don't want to be inching along. And some of you have standard vehicles, and that's like a whole other thing. <laughs> You don't want to be on the corner. But what drives me crazy, what drives me crazy, if there's an accident on the, on the highway, I completely understand that if there's an accident in my lane, that, that traffic's going to slow down, we need to be safe, we need to be, we need to be good. But what drives me crazy is when there's an accident on the other side of the highway. <laughs> and that the reason that I am driving slower is because someone ahead of me is not looking at the road ahead, they're looking at the accident. And when they're looking at the accident, they slow down. They're just like, oh, I wonder what happened to that. What's going on here? Whose fault was that? Let's figure it out for the five seconds that I drive past the, the accident. So now we're all going slower because we're all looking at what's happened in the other lane. And it's, it's amazing because once you get past the accident, all of a sudden the traffic picks up. <laughs> to learn as Christians. That we can get so preoccupied with the things that are going wrong to the left and to the right. Then we take our eyes on what God has called us to and for some reason life begins to slow down and things get slower, not just for us, for everybody. Because we've taken our eyes off of our network, we've taken our eyes off of our calling, off of our off of what God has placed right in front of our eyes. And so what we need to learn this morning, we need to learn that what God has called us to, that is what God has called us to and not everybody else to. The first thing we need to realize is that you are not called to my network and I am not called to yours. You're not called to my network. I'm not called to yours. Are we here to help each other? Can we encourage each other? Yes. Paul speaks about this. 
because he's defending the right to speak into people's lives in the church and court. He understands his network and where it starts and where it ends. He understands that. He's not going to go into somebody else's territory. He's not going to try and take over somebody else's church. He's not going to try and, and build influence in a place that he doesn't belong. Why? He understands boundaries. He understands that where God has called him, he has the authority to speak there. But where God has not called him, he does not have the authority to speak there. So what that means is, we have to realize that what you're called to is not what necessarily what I'm called to. As a collective church, there are some things that we're called to do together. But I'm talking about your personal network. I'm talking about the personal people in your life, the personal relationships in your life. I read a Facebook post this week. Someone put on Facebook, 10 songs you should stop singing in your church on Sunday. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Ten songs you should stop singing in your church on Sunday. This was the Facebook post. And uh, Facebook is awful. <laughs> and so I'm reading this Facebook post. And as I'm reading the post, I, my, my, like, I am getting more and more offended and frustrated with the person who's wrote this thing on Facebook. And I'm like, oh, I'm so brave for a response. <laughs> so ready to do that. Ready to write a response. It, it wasn't yours, Todd. It wasn't yours. <laughs> <laughs> and so there's this person, there's this person who's making a judgment call on worship songs, saying whether or not those certain worship songs are valid. In fact, is making a judgment call saying those are invalid. You should stop singing them because they're dumb songs. You've got to stay within the people that you're called to. 
And once you start stepping outside of that area of network, you become distracted. I could have been completely distracted for a good 45 minutes to an hour, just shaping the post. Perfect. <coughs> Complete waste of time. And that's what happens when we get distracted by other people's stuff. Other people and other people are doing. Listen, Facebook's just all about what everybody else is doing. Nobody goes on another Facebook and just says, oh, look at all the things that I've done. <laughs> Who's going on their Facebook looking at their own Facebook page saying, oh, the memories? <laughs> Do not. What is that? Oh, oh that, that sounds, oh, that's, oh, hey. Oh, oh there's a new post at the top. I'm going back to the top. New story. <laughs> But you know what the truth is? I want you to understand the truth. Is that the reality is this. The only authority that governs the planet is the Bible. Okay? The only authority, the only truth that governs the planet is the truth of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? So what that means is that I know that there are people who have books to sell. I know that people have strategies to sell to you. I understand that. But the only authority that applies to every person who's ever lived... Is the Bible. That's right. So if that person wants, if someone's going to go on Facebook and point out something, they better be quoting some scripture, they better be sharing the gospel, because that is the one truth that spans beyond our authority. The only truth is guaranteed biblical truth. But you know what? God has called me to my network. I have, I have four boys in let me talk to you about parenting. I am qualified. I have the authority to parent my children. You have the authority to parent your children. But I don't. Do you understand that? I have no right to speak authority into your kids' lives without your permission. You're the one who has the authority to speak into their life. They are in your network. I cannot tell you how to parent your child. That's not my job. You know how I know it's not my job? They're not my kid. <laughs> They're not my kid. I just happen to believe that God has raised me up for such this moment right now to raise my four children. Not your kids, not your kids, not your kids, not your kids, not your kids. Can I help you? Absolutely. Is it my job? No, it's not. And I'm not even qualified to do it. Do you understand that? Like, I'm not qualified to do it. You are. The experiences that you have brought into the relationship that you have, the, the experiences that you have brought right up until this moment have qualified you by the power of God to raise your kids. But it's not, I'm not qualified to do that. And so as we look at this, the reason I say all this is to help us understand how God has enabled us to reach our network. But we can't be sticking our noses into other people's networks, into other people's relationships, thinking to ourselves, well, I know what they should do. Well, I've got a four-step plan of how to fix your marriage. Here's what you do. No, the Holy Spirit has the four-step plan to fix your marriage. I 
I'm able to help you, give you some advice, but I don't have the authority to speak truth. And so what we have to realize is that we can get very much caught up in other people's lives. And this is where, this is where the danger comes in. That we get exposed, we're connected to the people in our network, we get exposed to the people around us and we think to ourselves, well, well, that's not right, or this isn't right, or that's not that. That, that's not what they should be doing. And we get all frustrated. We get all, we get, we start going crazy and thinking to ourselves, what are we going to do? We've got to fix this for them. What that does is that when we're looking at the accident on the highway, we take our focus off what God is calling us to do. And God doesn't want you to be distracted. It doesn't mean you don't care. It doesn't mean you don't have compassion. It doesn't mean you don't offer to help. It just means you don't stick your nose in other people's business. Amen. Well, that hurts me too. I'd say a bit of an ouch. So we don't do that. Because you know what? We're just not qualified. We're just, that's just not what God's calls. Matthew 7, verse 1, this is where judgment comes in. It says, do not judge others or you'll, you'll, and you will not be judged. But you'll be treated as you treat others. And the standard you use in your judging is the standard by you will be judged. And why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think about saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own? Hypocrite, get the log out of your eye. Then you'll be enough to see and deal with the speck in your friend's eye. We often look at scripture and we talk, this is about sin. We think to ourselves, don't point out anybody else's sin because of the stuff that's going on in your own life. But I believe it's a broader theme. I believe it's a broader expression of being realizing don't start don't start poking your, your nose in other people's lives when, when when your own life is in shambles. Like get your network in order. Like they could do something. Get your stuff in order. Like get on the right track, get on the right road. And if you want to help people along the way, that's fine. But it shouldn't veer you off the road. Are we reaching our network? Are we stepping into the call of the kingdom advancement in our lives? Because the more you focus on what other people are doing, the less you're focused on what you are supposed to be doing. The second thing is that we can't compare ourselves to other networks. Can't compare ourselves to other people. This is here, this is dangerous. Okay, this is this is this is dangerous. This is another negative about when we start comparing ourselves. 2 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, we will, not, we will only boast about what happens in the boundaries of the work of God that he's given us, which includes our working with you. So we don't compare ourselves to what other people are doing. Sometimes it's hard not to do this as a church. Right? Hard not to do this in life and look around and see other people doing stuff. If you, want, if you want to spend three months visiting all the churches in the area, praise God that you're here. I don't really want you to do it, but I, you could go and do it. You could go and visit all the churches in the area. There's tons of churches, tons of great churches who love Jesus, who preach the Bible, who are passionate about the things of God. But what's going to happen is when you go, when you go around all those churches, you're going to start thinking to yourself, well, I'm kind of like this, but I'm kind of like this. Kind of like this, and you start doing some comparisons. Maybe you're running out of flow chart. You're putting it in an Excel sheet. It's like this. I'm like this. Point. And then now you've, now you've driven up like a point system, right? Okay, like good worship is a four out of five. And then you're just like, okay, this church has 35 points out of 40 points. That's where we're going to go. 
when we start comparing, the problem is, is when the comparison goes, we start saying, I like this one better than I like that one. We're going to make a comparison. And the problem with this, this whole life of comparison is that this is how we live our lives, is that instead of living our lives like in our calling, in our network, we start living our lives compared to what everybody else's life is doing. Sometimes the comparison is pretty good, right? Because we can look at we can look at ourselves and look at our network and the ministry that God has called us to, and they can just work. Because we're looking at people who, who, are, who are, don't seem to have that. They don't seem to have what you have. They don't seem to be doing as well as you're doing. And you look across, you look across the aisle. You look at someone else's life. And you look at some other family. You look at some other organization. You look at some other job. And you think to yourself, whew. The The problem is, is in the very next moment, you look at somebody else. And you realize, oh, man. They've gotten so good. Their life is so amazing. And I can't, oh, I, I wish I was like that. What's, and what happens, what's the very next question you ask? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Why can't I be more like them? Why can't I have the family that they have? Why can't I have the job that they have? Why can't I have the ministry that they have? What's wrong with me? Instead of focusing on what God's called us to do, we're focused in on somebody else in the life. And so what happens is, is that we start to fashion our network, start to fashion our ministry, start to fashion our focus, not based on what God's called us to do, but based on getting to where they are. Well, that person seems so successful. I wouldn't be like that. Why would I do that? Judah Smith puts it like this. He's the pastor of the church in, uh, in the Seattle area. He says it like this. Comparison starts off like a wonderful servant and it turns into a horrible taskmaster. Because the only two results when you start comparing your life to another person's life is this. You need to become self-commending or self-condemning. You either become self-commending or self-condemning. Both of those words start with self. And that is not the point. The moment we start to do this, we become less, we become more distracted and less effective at reaching our network. The disciples used to do this. They were compared to each other. And right, right up until, even after Jesus rose from the dead, okay? Right after Jesus rose from the dead. So, like, they figured out that there's something, like, way different about Jesus than, than there was before. And so this is, you know, right after, you know, they, they just, Jesus rose from the dead. They caught all the fish again. At the end of John, John chapter 21, there was this rumor going around that, that John the Beloved, the, the person who wrote John, that there was this rumor going around that John was going to live forever. And you're just like, are you serious? Yes. There was a rumor in the Bible amongst the disciples that John was going to live forever. And so at the end of it, before, before Jesus ascends into heaven, Peter's asking Jesus, he's just like, well, you know, like all the other disciples are like telling Peter, Peter, you've got to ask him. Peter, Peter, you've got to ask him. 
And Peter's like, no, I don't want it. Like, Peter, this is what you do. <laughs> this is what you do. You open your mouth and say dumb things. We want you to do this for us. <laughs> you need to ask Jesus because we're not going to ask him. Like, you will. I know. Just, Peter, just ask Jesus. <laughs> Peter turned around and saw them. Verse, John chapter 21, verse 20. Peter turned around and saw the disciples. Behind the disciple that Jesus loved, the one who had leaned over Jesus during the supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? So Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? What about the guy that, is he going to live forever? What about him? If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. You know what Jesus said? Mind your own business. <laughs> That's what he just said to Peter. He's like, like, get your head on straight. This is about you following me. This isn't about John following me. This isn't about his purposes. This isn't about his calling. This isn't about his network. You follow me. That's not what Peter was doing. He was comparing himself. He's just like, well, I want to be like John. It's a dangerous road, one that's filled with disappointment and pride and insecurity. Because the truth is, church, you are the person, perfect person to reach your network. And God does not want you to question your mission. So we've got to stop, we've got to stop comparing ourselves to other parents. Listen, we've got to stop comparing ourselves to other parents. We've got to stop comparing ourselves to other churches. We've got to stop comparing our organization to this organization and that organization. We've got to stop doing it. Because you know what? It's just leading to self-commitment or self-condemning. That's it. There can be no good in that comparison. You know why? Because no one, no one, you can't be compared to anyone. There's no one in the world like you. You have been uniquely and wonderfully made. There's nobody in the world like you. There's no other network in the world like you. There's no comparison. In order to make a comparison, you have to have a constant. There has to be a benchmark. There has to be a ruler that says, okay, everybody has to be this before we can make a comparison. But the problem is, church, no one is, we're not all like this. There has to be a constant for you to make a comparison. And the only constant is Jesus. That's the only thing that we can say that we can compare and share with one another. Otherwise, if you start comparing yourself with one another, it's not a fair comparison every single time. So just don't do it. It's evil. It's not just destructive. It's evil. We're not the same. We're not made the same. Our networks are not the same. Our callings are not the same. Our giftings are not the same. Nothing is the same. So you're not allowed to compare. Lastly, it's a little bit the same, but it's not quite the same. It says my network is my network is just as good and significant as yours. A lot of times we compare. It's not quite the same. Because what happens is, is, that we, is that when we start comparing, we start looking at other people's, and we start seeing the significance of somebody else, and we start looking at our own calling, so maybe we recognize what God's called us to. Maybe we've actually come to the conclusion where, okay, this is where God has me, this is where I'm planted, this is what he's called me to do, and we start making the comparisons, and we start thinking to ourselves, well, I mean, 
they've got a church of like 5,000. Like that pastor's like so way more important than me. I took this road trip with my friend, Jason Cohen. Took my took a road trip down to Michigan. And he took me with him because he was going down to an apologetics conference. And if you know anything about apologetics, it's about defending your faith. And it's usually there's usually a ton of people there who know way more than me. And so I got to sit in, I got to sit and have lunch with a group of people that I thought to myself, man, I do not want to be here. <laughs> Not because they weren't pleasant people, they were very pleasant. Not because they weren't humble, they were very humble. But so I, I sat down and had dinner, and across the table were three, you know, three lawyers who were Christians, who were, who, and they were having a conversation about defending their faith. They were making references to stuff where I'm just like, oh my goodness. You know, the saving grace I thought to myself was that I was sitting beside another pastor who was the keynote speaker. Unfortunately, the pastor who was the keynote speaker was like the pastor in Brooklyn Tavern. That was the guy I was sitting beside. So, yeah, we chatted. It was kind of one word back and forth. Hey. He's like, hey. <laughs> You're sitting a bit too close. Yeah, I know. Here's intuitive. Because we start, we start filtering through our brain, we start thinking to ourselves, well, what God's called me to doesn't seem to be nearly as significant as what God's called them to. So why, like, I don't know, why am I doing this? I should be doing this. Right? Why am I doing this? I should be doing this. seems like way more important. We start getting drawn into other people's lives, into other people's callings, thinking that our, somehow, our calling is less significant because it seems smaller in scope, or we've convinced ourselves it's less important or less significant. And church, it's just a lie. Oh my goodness, it's a lie for Satan trying to convince you that somehow because you're a foot and you want to be an eye, and because you're not an eye, then you suck as a foot. truth is, is that that's the way God has made you live. And if you do your job, if you do how God has called you to do what you're supposed to do, then you're going to do ex exactly what God has called you to do and do the most extraordinary things in your life, perfectly made for you, perfectly set up for you. It was so intimidating being there. Paul had this conversation with the church in Corinth in his first letter in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4. It says, when one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you acting just like the people of the world? You see, they were, they were having embarrassments. They are having little fights saying, well, I'm on Paul's team. What team are you on? I'm on Paul's team. That's the true church. That's the true. That's the best one. You should be on our team because our team is better than your team. That's basically what they're saying. I follow Paul. Aren't you acting like the people of the world? After all, who's Apollos? Who's Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work that the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts and Paulus watered it, but it was God who made it grow. We don't make people grow, church. We just do what we're called to do. You can't force someone to serve Jesus. You can only walk in the obedience of the Spirit and love them. That's all you can do. You can't force them. It's only the Holy Spirit that draws them to Jesus. It's not important who does the planting. 
who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters works together with the same purpose. And both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers. We're all God's workers. I can't, church, I can't do what you do. I, I can't be who you're called to be. I can't. You can't do what I'm doing. I can't do what you're doing. But God has called us to work together, to be together. And if we take care of our networks, if we keep, take care of the people that God has placed in front of us, then, then things are going to work out. Then God's glory is going to be revealed. I want you to know that the, the 1,500 words that I have spoken this morning to you is just as important as the smile or the hug that you're going to give to your coworker tomorrow to say hello. Of this has caused us to be distracted and confused. 
confusion of comparing ourselves to what others. Remember in 2 Corinthians, we talked in the first part, what is it saying? It says that they compared themselves with themselves, and that's how they decided how good they were. That their measure was comparing themselves with one another. And how destructive that was to the kingdom of God. They were only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as a standard of measurement. They can't. They can't. It's destructive. It's evil. It's heresy. It's awful. You know, there are some of you feeling shame this morning because of how you compare yourself.
across the highway is really what's in front of you is an unobstructed view of God's calling and will in your life. There's no one slowing you down. You can get to where you go, want to go, as fast as you're supposed to go. No one's in front of you.
asked him to pray for you, and you just, you just felt the weight of comparison your whole life, and you just, you just want to release from that. I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to do something this morning in your life. So, so just as we sing the song, would you come? I'd just love to pray for you. If, if uh, you need to go, please go quietly and spend time with the foyer, uh, talking with one another. But I think if we could just make this room a place that people can pray, focus, see God, that would, that's really what I'd like. So if we could do that, that would be awesome. So I just pray that you Come this morning, would you stay with us just as we sing the song? We sing before we turn the worship time.